Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. This is the Bills Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bills Wire editor, Nick Woten. Well, Nick, I think it's pretty clear. The Bills made a statement, didn't they? They were clearly the better football team in that 26-15 win over the Steelers. And I guess the question now is, I know there's still a game behind the Steelers in the standings, but does it go Kansas City number one, Buffalo number two in that pecking order for AFC title contenders? Because I think a lot of people are kind of anointing the Bills as that next challenger for the Chiefs. And I think it's fair. I think they look like that team. They're peaking at the right time. And it looked good in that second half against the Steelers. I, I kind of actually loved that they sucked in the first half. And then the defense kind of hung in there, got the pick six. And then the Bills came out and dominated in the second half. I kind of love that storyline. But what do you think about the win over the Steelers and where the Bills are at right now? It's hard to doubt right now. I mean, that win against the Steelers, that was a flawed team for sure. In recent weeks, the Steelers were playing their their third game in 12 days, I believe. You know, they're, they're, they're playing a lot of football lately. They're probably... A little tired. I mean, but those are games in years of years past where you know we're looking for a reason to believe in the Bills, and we're saying, "Oh, well, they're playing their third game in twelve days. We should win this." And and the Bills lose by thirty, and, right. and that's just no no longer the case. The Bills um, really the, the the win overall against a team that uh, has only recently lost a game is is just in general um, impressive, Ryan. But really, the, the the way that they've done stuff the past few weeks has kind of okay, what's the one thing that the Bills needed to probably do in this one to convince me, the biggest naysayer on earth, that they're a good team? It, it's to come out, in all seriousness, is to come out at halftime and to show that they can formulate a plan to improve. And, I mean, they easily did that. I mean, they looked, like, looked kind of like garbage in the first half. I mean, their first half drive, none of them went longer than five plays. That was terrible. And Brian David. uh Depending on who you ask, Chris Collinsworth, DeBall, or whatever he called him, Brian, Brian Dable. Um, I think that's I think that's also the the Western New York uh, Tang type thing we had, the Canadian type, like Dable. Like we're obviously like duh, but other places, people, you know, even in our own country, we all have different, you know, accents. But anyway, but uh, I, Brian Dable, he he downplayed it this week, but I mean, I even wrote on Bills Wire. I said, come on, man, like I, I'm giving you the grade of B plus A or whatever I gave him my report card because I was like, you did. You did a good job, man. You went in halftime. The biggest thing the Bills haven't done all year is gone in halftime and formulated a better plan for the second half, and they just killed it at that. I mean, no doubt about it. They Going back to the pick six inter- interception there, they 23 unanswered points. I mean, uh, I, I'm finding it hard to complain, and, and Ryan, you know I find something to complain about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just waiting for you to say that you're not afraid of Bill Belichick anymore. I know that game's coming up. Not quite yet, but it's coming, and you've, you're still nervous about that game, Nick. We, could, we don't have to talk about that right now. Um, but I, I know. I just, I've been trying to tell you. They're not going to lose to the freaking crappy Patriots. The Bills are for real, and I really believe that. And what I loved about this game is that, like you just said, Josh Allen wasn't playing that well in the beginning. The offense couldn't really get it going. 
And the the Steelers are really, really good on defense. They are. And they they just pressure you so much and they blitz all the time. Almost every down, it seems, they're blitzing. They're putting pressure. They get around the quarterback. They sack you. They, get, they make you uncomfortable. That was my favorite part, that Allen kind of sucked in the first half and that everyone on Twitter is like, all the, all the Josh Allen haters, right, are just like, oh, you know, that Josh Allen's a good player, but he just can't win that big game. You know, Nick, like they all just come out of their little, they come out of their holes on Twitter and they do that thing. And I'm just like, oh, I can't wait till Allen just torches this defense in the second half because you could almost feel it coming. And they did. They adjusted brilliantly. And it looked like, and I would trust your analysis on this better than me, but it just looked like they really exploited the biggest weakness on the Steelers right now, and that's that linebacker core. The Steelers are just depleted at linebacker. We talked about it last week. They lost Devin Bush earlier in the year. They just lost Bud Dupree, which is a killer loss for them. Killer. Probably one of the the heartbeats of their defense, I would say, is Bud Dupree. They're playing without him. So they're kind of patching it together on that linebacker level. And the Bills just, they kind of played the Steelers game against them and with those quick passes. And Stephon Diggs just completely just burning people at the line of scrimmage and breaking ankles and just taking over the game with those quick little routes with Allen and Diggs getting going. It was really fun to watch the way the Bills adjusted and just took it to the Steelers. And we talk about the third quarter all the time. Those two scoring drives in the third quarter, Nick, really just put a stranglehold on the game. I'm sitting here today. I have nothing to nitpick with the Bills. I I love that they sucked early because it made the response in the second half even better. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. I mean, the Bills, like I said, uh, Ryan, they really adjusted very well and kind of did the exact thing that they needed to do. A, they, they first and foremost, I think the most obvious thing, we mentioned Stefan Diggs. In such a scenario, you need to have big name guys who are going to come through and they had big name guys that are going to come through, and uh, they went to Diggs. And in going to Diggs, they kind of adjusted a couple things near the line of scrimmage, and they kind of started taking those mid range routes, which is, you know, to your point, the linebacking area. Uh, Josh Allen did not complete very. I think his average pass was maybe five yards or something. But I mean, and that was something I I only know that because of uh, I think you mentioned was it Mark Schlereth and Giants fans or something last week? Yes. I think, Yes. I think uh, for the Bills, it's it's the Bills and Bomani Jones, who I, I don't mind, but he does make some kind of silly points that just tick off Bills fans. And one of the things was that uh, this week he picked on that Josh Allen's a bad quarterback because he only averaged like uh, 5.5 yards per pass or something um, against the, the Steelers. But but that adjustment was exactly what they needed. I mean, they couldn't. The the, the, the Bills. I finally found in my the thing that the bills stink at in my conversation with you ryan finally it's a, this is to the bills credit we're on the phone now for let's almost nine yeah, nine minutes it. and it almost it almost took me nine minutes to find something bad <laughs> i just think the bills have probably there's 30 32 teams whatever in the nfl their the their offensive line is the 15th or 16th best in the league because when they play a crappy defensive line they look like all pros every single one of these guys but when they play a good front against maybe like Hayward and Watt, they look brutal. And they looked brutal in that first half. And the Bills made some adjustments in the trenches, um, and, and including really uh, Daryl Williams at right tackle had a great did a great job. Just just um, his P. I'm I have the 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 broke man PFF sub- subscription guy. So it's what I do every single week. Every single week I look at the Bills overall grades in the offensive line and I track them every single week. PFF grades like individual games, but I don't have the money for that. So I just like see how like how much it fluctuates overall week to week. Daryl Williams grade against TJ Watt actually went up after last week. So it went up like one point, but I mean like... It's saying something. It is. Yeah, exactly. But on the flip side of that, like Boddicker in the middle and Mitch Morse, uh, they had just a real hard time with Hayward. 
and the Bills kind of effectively eliminated him from the game by getting the ball out of Allen's hand so quick. I mean, their their PFF grades, uh, I think Bodiger's has dropped like 10 points in one game. It, it was brutal. It didn't, the, the eye test didn't do him any, any favors either. But uh, yeah, the Bills, they just schemed perfectly uh, uh, how to how to just take take hold of this game, I, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, Josh Allen entered the game as the, the old big band of the guy who's going to kind of move around and everyone bounce off of him. And yeah. he said, well, he said, well, I can be the, the current big band too. And he started throwing the ball every one second. <laughs> That's it, exactly it right. That's exactly right. They turned into the Steelers and they did what the Steelers <laughs> do to everybody else. And yeah, it yeah per- and it worked brilliantly. No, no doubt about it. it. That's exactly what it was. And uh so speaking of Josh Allen, he ha- if you haven't heard his little pregame speech in the tunnel with his players, I'm going to play it for you here coming up. I saw it on Twitter. This is kind of the corniest thing ever, but I kind of love it. So let's get into that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. It's week 15 of the fantasy football season, and if you're listening, that likely means you have advanced in the fantasy football playoffs. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to help you with some strong plays to get you into the championship round. This one may make gamers uncomfortable, but Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, is a strong play. In the last seven weeks, five different quarterbacks have at least 22 fantasy points against Arizona, and three of those efforts were good for at least 26 fantasy points. The two bad games came from Cam Newton and Daniel Jones. Hurts, a rookie, made his NFL debut as a starter last week and he acquitted himself well enough. His major upside comes from his legs, but the game wasn't too big for him in last week's debut. That said, he's best to use in two quarterback setups. Running back Jeff Wilson Jr. at the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers may be without Raheem Mostert once again with another ankle injury, and Wilson is the likeliest place to turn for the offense that is struggling for a spark after poor quarterback play and the loss of Debo Samuel. Only Houston has allowed more rushing yards per game in 2020, and the position has scored 13 times on the ground versus Dallas. Wilson may struggle to matter without finding the end zone, so understand there is a little bit of a gamble here. Wide receiver Keelan Cole of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore has given up four touchdowns in his past three outings, and the positional defense has been relatively soft in that time. It ranks 39% easier to exploit than the league average, and nine receivers have at least 10 PPR points against the Ravens in the last four games. Don't be scared off by the name brand of the matchup. Cole benefits from having Gardner Minshew back in the lineup and offers utility as a wide receiver three or a flex in PPR set. Irv Smith Jr., the Minnesota Vikings versus the Chicago Bears. Prior to missing a few games with various injuries, Smith has flashed a few times, going for 10 points or more in three of the four appearances before getting hurt. He returned in week 11, only to get injured for two more weeks. Then he came back for a line of 4-63-1 against Tampa Bay last week. The Bears are the second weakest defense in the last five weeks at controlling tight ends, and if Kyle Rudolph sits one more time, Smith is a strong play for a touchdown in this divisional matchup. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to me, 17. Talk to me, 17. 
hear all of that there, Nick, because of uh, you know there's some there's some editing in there because of the profanity. We're, we're this is a family program here here on the Bills Wire podcast, right? Uh, powered by USA <laughs> Today Sports. We don't, we can't get ourselves in trouble. So there's a little bit of profanity there, but basically what uh, our guy Josh Allen is saying there is we'll let them do all the talking, we'll let them do all the bleeping dancing. And what's he talking about? He's talking about Steelers receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, right, who records a video of himself dancing on Buffalo's midfield logo, doing a little shimmy, and he uploads it to his TikTok before the game. All the Bills players see this. They all know about it. They know about it quickly enough that coming onto the field, Josh Allen is addressing it. Let them do all the talking. Let them do all the dancing. We're just going to go out there and play some football. I thought that was really funny. First of all, I don't know if you saw the dance, Nick, but I don't think it was all that great. I I didn't love the juju. I mean, if you're going to do a dance on a team's logo, I'd like it to be something spectacular. Like, I'm going to see some break dancing or something. It was just kind of like a little shimmy. I didn't love it. And I also think it's kind of funny, and it's a little corny, as I said earlier, before the, uh, the break there. It's a little corny, these teams, about their logos. Like, you can't dance on the logo. You can't do that. Like, who cares? The guy danced at midfield, whatever. But obviously, the Bills took it to heart. They had a little bit of extra motivation, and they're addressing it during the game and postgame. There was a shot of the Bills defenders dancing on the sideline in the fourth quarter, kind of rubbing it in the Steelers' faces. So what do you think about that whole thing? Smith-Schuster doing the dance and the Bills taking exception to that and then going out there and beating their ass. What do you think about it? I think it goes a little bit uh, both ways, right? I think Juju Smith-Schuster should probably be a little bit smarter to not, like, add fuel to the fire. I mean, you'd think he would be by now. That's not his personality, I don't think. That's not his personality, not at all. But uh, I'm sure he's a good guy and everything. I don't know of him super well, you know. Um, uh, You get kind of a feeling uh, for these guys. You know, uh, plenty of them I've met before. Some of them I don't. But, you know, you you get a feeling for for how guys are and you hear things and whatnot. And at least in terms of the Bills, the team that you cover. But uh, Juju, I don't know very well. And and for me personally, I don't have a huge background in playing football, um, you know, know, beyond like little leagues and stuff like that. I actually played hockey growing up. And in hockey, the ridiculous thing was it's a little bit different because the other team doesn't go in your locker room. But like you never step on the logo in your own locker room. It's just one of those things. Like it's it's a carpet. Like what do you mean? Yeah. Like don't step on the logo. It's like all these, it's, it's it's all these the, unwritten rules in sports, right? If, if you don't want to step on it, why did you put it on the floor? Like, <laughs> it's just like what? Like what do you mean? But I and I but I get it both ways for the Bills too. You know, you're looking for something, uh, especially right now during COVID, where you don't have you know seventy thousand members of Bills Mafia screaming down on guys and uh, really getting the juices going. And you've got to kind of make your own motivation. And once you get to the playoffs. You probably won't hear that anymore um, mid-game because, you know, it's just it's the playoffs. Everything's magnified. Really, everything in the NFL is magnified. You only play 16 freaking regular season games anyways. Every game is almost a playoff game. But, um, you know, this year they're, they're trying to latch on to whatever they can. But uh, having said that, you know, I think if the Steelers win this game, we don't hear a single thing about it, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I think Josh Allen's like – and I think the reason why I got kind of really blown out is we were kind of talking a little bit. You know, I don't mean to smack talk Bill's Mafia or anything. I know Bill's Mafia well, but the reason why this thing got pushed and pushed and pushed on social media wasn't because of Steelers Nation, you know? It was, <laughs> it was Bill's fans saying, you know, look at your guy dancing and our guys being pumped and now we won. Your guys is a, yeah. a, a, a silly goose for it's, doing it, that in it's front a of suck our guys. On, it's, and, it's a kind of a suck on that kind of thing. Like, hey, how do, how do we how yeah, do we about exactly. it now? Yeah, exactly. And I think especially during COVID, so many things, so many people, I mean, that's, you know, in the grand scheme of the world, 70,000 people not really being on their phones, you know, um, 
uh, during while they're attending a game, you know, we still see crap come up from the tailgate and whatnot. But I mean, I think right now people are so fixated on these social media things because that's yeah. kind of, you know, they're escaping to the world now with COVID and everything. And damn, Bill's Mafia sure knows how to push that, uh, push that uh, narrative of their own. You know, they'll, they'll call fake news media, but they got their own homegrown uh, narrative to push. And by God, if that takes Juju Smith Schuster with it, then. See you later. Well, again, there's no one in the stands to take the video, so Juju just posted himself for the Bills to, to get all fired up. So, uh, you know, you could, you could second-guess that. Another thing, and speaking of the Steelers' wide receivers, this is an interesting second-guess as well. And I'm not just mad, Nick, because I lost in my fantasy football playoffs that I had Deontay Johnson, uh, and he's one of my key receivers that I, that I needed to go off, and he didn't. But I just think, like, practically, the Steelers benched Deontay Johnson. They're really good sophomore receiver, right? After he dropped a couple of uh, Ben Roethlisberger flutter balls early, in the, and that's what I, I like to call, Roethlisberger's not exactly zipping these short passes in that he's throwing in two seconds, Nick. He's kind of floating them around. And I think as a receiver, when you're over the middle, you almost have a tendency you know, to look ahead and maybe think about your next move because you got guys bearing down on you about to kill you. I can understand why the kid dropped the football, but whatever. Basically, Mike Tomlin benches Deontay Johnson, who I think is probably their most explosive, their quickest receiver. You saw it when he came back in in the third quarter. He started making plays right away. Uh, but for some reason, Mike Tomlin decides to bench Deontay Johnson and like make a point. I'm going to prove a point. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You can't drop passes here with the Steelers. And I know he addressed it in the media before. He said if guys keep dropping passes, they're going to hit the bench. And he, you know, he follows through on that and he benches Deontay Johnson. I think that kind of worked in the Bills' favor. I mean, that was the first half the Bills' defense really could hang their hat on. They held the Steelers down. They scored a touchdown. They were the ones who gave the Bills the lead at half. And I think the benching of Deontay Johnson kind of worked in their favor. What did you think about it? Oh, definitely. I mean, the Steelers have been known to have, you know, two, three, sometimes four good wide receivers, kind of like the Bills look this year. They have depth at playmaker positions and, you know, the Steelers just seemed it's just so weird. I mean, you can think of the guys who are, you know, probably the most prominent is AB down in Tampa now. But I mean, they just year after year just get these guys. The latest being uh, Chase Claypool. It's yep. just like, who the hell is this they, 10th receiver off factory. the board? Yep, no doubt. They're a factory of doing this. And then they just kind of took that's you know, that's kind of their bread and butter and they took it away from them. But I think. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, I, I don't know, maybe he painted himself into a corner a little bit there because he did say, you know, pregame or during the week that's, you know, hey, we're going to start benching, you know, people if you don't hang on to the ball. And, uh, well, to his credit, his guy didn't hang on to the ball, but he also took his guy out of, you know, a, a bounce back game. And, yeah, it's they get paid more money than me to, to figure out those things. But, yeah, I mean, without question, not having Deontay Johnson out there, it's, it's huge. I mean, especially, uh, you know, the Bills have had problems with, with their number two cornerback position. I mean, last week, Levi Wallace got torched. This week, it kind of played out where there's a split with him and him and Josh Norman out there. Uh, Levi Wallace played a lot better. But, um, yeah, you just you, you, you take a playmaker out. You know, it's almost simple math in the sense of you take, a, you take a, one of your good playmakers out in a close game. All right. Well, I'd maybe bench him for a series, bench him for a couple plays, but... You know, the amount of time he wasn't out there certainly showed. And uh, the Bills, you know, uh, they got they got I don't want to say they got lucky because Taryn Johnson made a great 
great break in the ball, but the Bills got the bounce. I guess we'll say they got the pick six and they didn't look back from there. No doubt. Yeah, no. And I don't want to just, I don't think it was only stupid because it hurt my fantasy team. I don't want to say that, you know, but I, I thought it was legitimately stupid. And it reminds me of like a bad, one of those bad TV shows, Nick, where, you know, the coach goes, get on the bench. Uh, you're takes a star player out. Get out of the bench. No, I can't take it anymore. And then like a couple minutes go by and he's like tapping his foot. He's like, all right, get back in there. You've learned your lesson. You know, like that's what it is. Like you're going to bench the guy. You're just going to let him go back in the game and, and to start the third quarter. He's like, all right, we're down now. We got to, we got to get you back in there. We're going to win the football game. Get out there. You've learned your lesson. I just think that's a mixed message. Like you benched him for a quarter and a half. What the hell does that do? Like, what do you, well, I, I don't know. I, I just, I question that whole thing. But Nick, you wrote about how the Bills have found a formula for closing out games at this point in the season, which is a good time to be figuring that out. It's the right time to be winning. I want to talk about that. And next up for the Bills is an AFC East killer, a team that's been feasting on the AFC East. We'll get into all that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 15 Monday Night Football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers come in as 12-point favorites on the road, minus 110 odds to win by at least 13 points. Jeff, how does Cincinnati and the Bengals cover this 12-point spread at home? Well, Pittsburgh is very one-dimensional right now. Their running game has fallen off the cliff, and even their wide receivers have been dropping balls. So give me the double digits at home with a division opponent. Also, this could be a quintessential look-ahead spot for Pittsburgh, who's got Indy and Cleveland coming up. They've had tough games leading into this. Steelers, well-coached team with Mike Tomlin, lost two games in a row. They need to get back on track. No better spot to do it than against a Bengals team. They beat 36-10 to 10 in Week 10. Give me the Steelers, minus 12. They win by two scores. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick, you wrote about the Bills having a formula for closing out games. What do you think it is? Uh, I mean, score more points. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the long and short of it. Is, uh, you know, you, you got your offense. You got them clicking. You've had them clicking for almost the entire year. We haven't really had a, a single game where it's been terrible. Um, I mean, you had the Patriots game where it was just, you know, kind of the weather where the running game took over. But aside from that, the, the Bills' offense has just been clicking. And now, really, the formula is, I mean, just just your defense, just keep them going. You don't even have to get them back to top three status like they've been years prior. I mean, they still have their problems. I mentioned the number two cornerback spot. Perring Johnson had a huge interception there in the side of the slot. He's injured right now. Um, I haven't looked at the injury report yet, but um, he had a concussion in the, that game. He's had injury problems. He's gotten even Juju Smith-Schuster for how little the Steelers could do. I mean, he got got a couple across Taron Johnson. Um, the linebackers seem to be improving. The pass rush seems to be improving. I mean, as long as the Bills 
keep up this top 10, top 15 speed type defense. I mean, you put up some points early. I mean, they're not they're not pushovers anymore, like we saw against the Rams, where you know, ironically enough, they had a twenty-eight to three lead in that one that got away. It's the worst but, lead uh, in football. <laughs> the worst lead in all of sports, apparently. Yeah, twenty-eight to twenty-eight to three. But um, yeah, that's that's really the formula, right, Ryan? I mean, they, they their defense can slow you down just enough, and on top of that, they're really taking the taking the ball away now too. That's that's the other big thing. I think they have eleven takeaways in their past. Um, five games or so, uh, four games or so. They had four against the Seahawks, and that just really just completely triggered this this couple of takeaway performances in a row. I mean, even the games where they have one takeaway, the Bills, um, they're they're getting turnover on downs. You know, they're they're just coming up with big plays on defense, and that's just the perfect complement to a, a, an MVP quarterback and uh, the best wide receiver ever in franchise history led <laughs> offense, right? You know? Oh, man, his dig's awesome. Yeah. No, I believe in Josh Allen at this point. I really do. And they're 10-3, and three, and they're a game behind the Steelers. And really, they probably should be tied with the Steelers because Josh Allen led them on a game-winning drive against the Cardinals, and then the uh, Hale Murray happened. So, uh, really, the Bills should be uh, – they should have 11 wins, but they don't. They didn't close that one out, so we, we can't give it to them, but I want to. Uh, but, Nick, I always depend on your analysis, but I want you to just give me one-word answers here. I want you to say win or loss for the Bills, all right? At Denver. Win. At New England. Oh, I knew you were going to – I knew this was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Uh, I mean, with things are going one right word now, answer. Though, <laughs> Win. Win. Home versus Dolphins. I want to uh, – uh, preface this with as long as they're actually playing their team yeah. that game yeah uh and not matt barkley uh i'll go win so i think you know well went out if they're playing matt barkley that probably means they have the two seed locked up right i mean that's probably exactly what talking about. so yeah exactly. so so the, the reason for that was you know the bills are a game back from the steelers but if they win out and i think that's very very feasible these are all these are three teams they should be they're better than all these teams um i think the chances of them sneaking into the number two seed are very high because the Steelers, who are not playing their best football this week, yes, they play the Bengals on Monday night, but then they close out with Colts at home and then at Cleveland. And if anybody enjoyed that game, Cleveland-Baltimore, this past Monday night, that was pretty sweet. That was some good stuff. That was some good eating. But, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, the bad I beat. I had almost the kind of bad. I didn't have the worst did you, beat. Did you, you have know, Browns plus stage. three as well? I did not have that, but okay. it still was That's like, a, I I, oh, my Lord, I, I, I feel for you. I had... Uh, uh, just a quick, I put a $5 parlay down on uh, Lamar getting the rushing yards and then Dobbins scoring a touchdown. And I'm like, crap, he finally scored one. They're up 14. All of a sudden, the Browns come storming back. Right. I took the Browns money line. I'm like, hell yeah, we got this. And then just insanity ensued. <laughs> Lamar comes back out. He throws a touchdown. I'm like, damn it. Oh, that live, those what live lines on? will get you. Those live lines. Oh, they're killers. Uh, they are yeah, killers. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but I, uh, yeah, to your point, the Steelers remaining schedule, yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, I mean, the Steelers have a tough schedule. They're definitely trying to figure it out. They're not playing their best football. They can't run. They can't run the ball. And they couldn't run against the Bills either. So I think the Steelers could definitely slip up. The Bills could definitely win out. Now they have the tiebreaker. They only have to be tied with the Steelers. I think the Bills have a very easy and very logical path to the number two seed, so that'll be interesting. But they got to beat these Denver Broncos, Nick, who have been feasting on the AFC East. The Broncos have beat the Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots. So the Bills... They can't let the Denver Broncos, the crappy-ass Denver Broncos with Drew Locke at quarterback, they cannot let the Broncos get the AFC East sweep. There's no way, right? Yeah, I don't – what my big thing is is I'm seeing a couple folks online right now. Actually, uh, what I was going to do right before um, 
right before you uh, called me, Ryan. It's, I, I was I was going to our Slack to start messaging our Broncos guy, uh, John, to just uh, ask him, you know, what do you think about this game? Kind of get his feeling because I, I saw one unnamed Broncos uh, reporter, I'll, I'll say, came up on my Twitter feed and just said, oh, this is going to be tougher than the Bills. And I'm like, really? Because I just don't see it. I mean, they have injuries in their secondary, right? I mean, they have for a couple, like a yeah, game or they, two now. they have no corners left. They're all hurt. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, what do you mean it's going to be? I mean, I'm sure they're a tough, scrappy team. I, I'm not going to, you know, come out here and say I've watched a bunch of Denver Bronco games this year. I'm, you know, a little bit busy uh, up in Western New York right now. But, I mean, just I, I had my <laughs> I had my my buddy, who's uh, my buddy Jim, I think I've mentioned before on this this podcast. He's a big Broncos fan. He actually went to the Super Bowl when it was when it was here in New York at MetLife. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, he said sarcastically after watching the Bills and, and on Sunday Night Football, he goes, "Oh, you go, you think Josh Allen's going to throw for 500 against Denver's beat up secondary?" And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> "I was like, hey, uh, well, that's my Broncos fan friend saying that." And then now all of a sudden, that crisp I, I, mile high air, just Josh Allen passes sailing through the altitude. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I think uh, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I think the Bills are going to win this handily because they just have like so many injuries over there. I just don't, I don't see it. It's it's you know. Like I said, they don't have anyone in the secondary. The Bills have an MVP caliber quarterback. Am I? Am I? No, no I don't want right. to overthink this. No, you're right. I don't want to overthink this. And they've got really <laughs> bad quarterback play from Drew Locke. Now he played really well against the Panthers this past week, uh, but that might we, we don't know. We, that might be an anomaly. I think he he's one of the worst rated passers in the entire league this season. Drew Locke is for qualifying passers. He's I think he's the worst rated. Now he might have improved on that because he had a really good game against the Panthers. But yeah, bad quarterback play, crazy injuries on defense. You name it. Anyone you ever heard of that plays defense for them is either either hurt or suspended right now. So, yeah, so that's this is a game I would jump on the Bills as a six and a half point favorites. But all I got to say, Nick, is I, I got to actually hang up and get on the phone with John Heath from the Broncos Wire because we could we got to record the Broncos Wire podcast here next. My line of, of podcast for the uh, USA Today Sports Network here. Try to enjoy, try to sit back and enjoy the Buffalo Bills, Nick, being one of the best teams in football. That's all I got to say that to you after as we break for every podcast as we end it. Just enjoy the Bills having one of the best quarterbacks in the league and being one of the best teams in a Super Bowl contender because that's what they are, my man. Yeah, no, I, I got to agree. They're definitely a good team, and I, I got to think I, I have to be one of the only you know, managing editors uh, that you talk to here for us at, at the Wire Network for USA Today that um, kind of keeps himself grounded and, and says that maybe, you know, the Bills could – I know a couple of our guys are pretty passionate about their team and they're good, and I'm just kind of like, you know – I don't know. I saw like 18 years of this call on the rails, but I think I'm finally turning the corner. So, you know, I, I, I certainly could admit that Josh Allen's good, and I think that they're going to roll this weekend. I think you're right with that spread. Yeah, but it's, it should be should be fun this weekend. We're talking about a banged up Broncos. Don't don't tell John that uh, I said anything bad about him or anything. Not not him personally. I mean the Broncos. He's he's a great guy. But um, awesome. yeah, yeah. It should it should be it should be a great time, Brian. And uh, I, I, honestly, I don't mean to overlook an opponent, but I I'm. Not nervous, but I'm anxious for this podcast between me and you with with the Patriots on route. Cause I've just <laughs> I've just been so wishy washy towards that game. As you we have, know. So. You have. but let the record be shown. Nick has penciled in a win for the Bills in New England, so he has come he's come around. He has come around. So for Nick Moten, thanks for joining us joining us on the Bills Wire podcast. We'll talk to you next week. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.